The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We will talk about proper reaction or overreaction to another week one disappointment for the Green Bay Packers. We will also give out Golden Kegs, our new star ratings. Uh, Happy to do that. We will do that after it. And then we will talk about the best and worst from an even more disappointing game uh, with the Wisconsin Badgers falling to Washington State. I don't think there's a contest that that was a more disappointing one. We'll talk about that at the tail end and a little bit on the Brewers. Um, We'll do more on the Brewers and Badgers tomorrow. This will be more Packer focused, but I expect this to be a pretty long podcast. So buckle in. Sorry for the delay. Apologize. Moving. Uh, Also, I got to be honest, the SoundCloud Apple issue is bumming me out. We still aren't on Apple. SoundCloud is really not providing a ton of answers. If this was a normal week and I wasn't moving out of my fucking house, I think that I would have a new podcast subscriber. Um, It would suck to lose like a lot of the data, I guess. Like, I don't know if ratings and shit come over. I'm way too in the weeds. You don't care about it. Uh, But basically, I'm looking into it. I'll put it that way. And if it's not solved by the end end of this week, I think I will probably move to another podcast provider. So that being said, you can find us on on Spotify for sure, Stitcher, Overcast. Uh, I know Google Play's had some issues too. So that's why if we're not showing up on Google Play, that's also happening for some Android users out there. Um, Wherever else you get your podcasts, uh, anywhere but Apple and Google right now, two of the biggest providers, right? But we are everywhere else. So make sure that you listen alternatively. Apologize for that. I know what a pain in the ass that can be. I hate that myself. I'm an Apple listener. So when I have to go to Spotify for something, while I don't mind, especially new shows, it's easier to listen to new shows or listen to shows I'm unsubscri- not subscribed to on Spotify. But it, it took a while for me to get there. So I, I completely get that if you are not, not a Spotify person, but hopefully you will be for us. Also, you can find us on social media, Tabbing the Keg on Twitter, Tabbing the Keg Sports on Instagram and TikTok. We put up the review uh, for the Packers lost to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we'll have a ton of content today, um, lots to cover. I think I'm going to do something on Devontae Adams. We'll have a content- condensed version of the Golden Kegs. We will also do the Garrett Mitchell catch that was incredible today. So that's what I'm hoping for. We'll see if I get all of it. I, it's, you know, better laid plans, right? I always have content ideas and then, you know, things go off the rails because I don't do this for a living. So I have to have to adapt, but we'll uh, we'll see what we can do. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about week one and the Green Bay Packers. It was another disappointing week one for the Green Bay Packers. So we thought that last year was bad and it probably was worse last year, but this was just as bad. You lose to a division rival. The Vikings fans cannot hold this over your head all fall, most of winter before you guys connect again on the first of the new year and it was really disappointing to say the least. I think all of us thought that the Packers had learned their lesson but it's clear that they did not. It's kind of like when your parents are like hey don't have a party after you'd thrown this rager maybe not at the level of Project X but you've thrown a party your parents were kind of disappointed that you were drinking beers in their basement and things like that and your parents still trust you because you're, you know, they, they're, you're the apple of their eye, whatever maybe you've done enough to earn your parents' trust, and then you go ahead and you still have parties. That kind of sums up my high school career, but seriously, like, that is kind of what happened with the Green Bay Packers. Matt LaFleur trusted that his guys were going to be ready for this game. Matt LaFleur believed that everybody was going to be ready even without any sort of preseason. And they tried some different things. They did some different things in practice. But at the end of the day, practice does not equal game environment. No matter if it's a meaningless game, it still does not equate. And that has to get through Matt LaFleur's head. And Matt LaFleur should have been more of a hard ass about it to Aaron Rodgers. I understand that Aaron Rodgers does not want to play a couple of series. But guess what? Everybody pretty much does it. And I wouldn't say everybody, but most people do it if they don't have some sort of injury to them. Look at Tom Brady. He did it. He got in there, even though he missed 11 days and seemed very disjointed as a training camp for the Buccaneers. He got in there against the Tennessee Titans. And guess what? Brady looked pretty damn good in week number one. 
Patrick Mahomes looked like the MVP after week one, which everybody's going to name him, which is fucking ridiculous because we shouldn't talk about MVPs at least until the quarter way through the season, but we are addicted to the MVP conversation. That's something that will never go away, unfortunately, which absolutely sucks. But look how good Patrick Mahomes, look how good the Kansas City Chiefs were. Now they played a team in Arizona who we weren't really sure about their direction all year, and I don't necessarily want to overreact to one game with the Cardinals. I don't expect Arizona to be that good, but I do think the Cardinals are a team I look to bet on next week because I think there's going to be a lot of overreaction in the public marketplace to what we saw on Sunday. That said, again, Mahomes was ready to go. And guys like Matt Stafford, who had an elbow thing, I will contend to that, he didn't look great. Uh, You also had Joe Burrow, who had an apodectomy. He didn't look good. Aaron Rodgers struggled to get on the same page as his new wide receivers. Now, granted, he couldn't have he couldn't have done anything in preseason with Christian Watson, but he could have at least got some familiarity with Romeo Dobbs. He could have at least got some familiarity with what they were going to do with Lazard or not. Well, I mean, yeah, probably Lazard. Lazard should have been out there. Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. Like, there is no reason why the Green Bay Packers couldn't have done a little bit more in preseason, and. I have to think at this point, Matt LaFleur has learned his lesson. I do not think Matt LaFleur can go into another week one like this. They cannot keep sleepwalking week one. At some point, that is going to have consequences. Now, I'm not overreacting to it because I know it's a long season. I hate that it's against a division opponent. If this was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers even, honestly, like if we got dog walked by the Buccaneers tonight, like the Cowboys did, I really wouldn't care. Because I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, you lose that tiebreaker. That sucks. But it's a team that's in your division. It's not in your division. That's not a division loss. That's not the first tiebreaker. It starts with the division loss. Now the best Green Bay can do against Minnesota is 1-1. One one. So now it puts an even more importance on those conference games. And I realize we have a long way to go. Who knows what could happen? Kirk Cousins could tear his ACL and the Minnesota Vikings aren't even a playoff team, right? That could happen. Or the Bears could be the team out of nowhere that's challenging for the top spot in the NFC North. Again, I highly doubt these things, but the NFL is an unpredictable sport. So I'm not ready to just be like the Packers have to keep winning their conference games. I'm just saying it adds a little bit of importance because the Green Bay Packers have put themselves behind the eight ball yet again. And that is the frustrating thing, I think, from a fan's perspective, because basically the Packers party had their party two years ago for working or a year ago working on this this comparison. And Matt Fleur's like, all right, guys, like we're not going to play in preseason. Like you promised me you're going to be ready. Or do we think we are doing everything we can to feel like we're right? Oh yeah, coach, coach, we got it, we got it. Just similar to like a kid being like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw another kegger. Like I know you're gone this weekend again, but like I'm not gonna bring in a keg of Miller High Life. Like that's just not what I'm doing. And they did it a fucking again. Matt Lafleur needs to be a little bit more of a red ass, okay? Like, I understand Matt LaFleur is a player's coach. I understand that Aaron Rodgers and him have a great relationship. But Matt LaFleur needs to put his foot down a little bit more. Because right now, it's it's kind of leaning towards Rodgers is the one in control of that relationship. And we saw this with Mike McCarthy. And we saw this with Brett Favre and Mike Sherman, right? And I'm not saying, like, they've had great success, right? So I'm not, like, I'm not exactly worried about it. But I am a little nervous that this continues to sort of pop up. This continues to sort of bubble. So the Green Bay Packers need to figure this out. And they need to understand how do we do better in these extended times off. Because the Packers have struggled out of a bye. I think they won last year. But who can forget that's that San Diego game. Then San Diego, now Los Angeles. I think that's... Oh, were they Los Angeles at the time? Might have been Los Angeles. doesn't matter. The Chargers. Let's just put it that way. The Chargers kicked our ass 29 to 11 one of the worst Packer games that I could remember in my life I mean the Saints one is right up there I would not put the Minnesota this Minnesota loss in that conversation but all the same they're all pathetic and at some point you can't keep doing the same thing and not expect to have the same results so off of this we are going to go over overreactions or proper reactions from this Packer game because there's going to be a lot of overreactions. It's overreaction Monday, 
Overreaction Monday does not just happen in week one. It used to. Uh, before the NFL became this, I guess, I don't want to call it dictatorship, but like this totalitarian of sport. And I don't mean that in like the serious way. Like I know totalitarianism gets thrown around. Really, It's a really heavy word, but they are maybe the, the hegemon. Hege There's a word I'm looking for that I, hegemony. Oh, I can't pronounce it. Uh, that's bad. That's embarrassing. But anyways, the NFL's kick. The monarchy, I guess. Let's just call it the monarchy. RP Queen. Like, let the, they are the monarchy. They are the king. So we overreact every fucking weekend. We were, they were overreacting about the Rams on Friday. People were already burying the Rams. Like, I'm like, I look, I don't think the Rams are that impressive, but I wouldn't just completely throw dirt on them and say their season's over. They have a very tough schedule. I think that's fair to point out. But I'm not going to be be ready to say, all right, the Rams are an eight-win team. I don't think we know yet. I think we got to let the dust settle, but people are are addicted to not letting it settle. They're like, Mike Greenberg fucking had a had the take about Rodgers being like he can't elevate his receivers, and that was after a fucking half. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. So I don't know if overreaction, proper reaction is going to be an every week thing, uh, but definitely for week one, we are going to start it. So let's begin. The Packers hurt themselves not playing in preseason. Proper reaction. We won't go over it anymore. I, I think I kind of made it clear in the open, but I think that just needs to be said. Mitch and I talked about it as a damned if you do, damned if you don't a couple weeks ago. And I think at this point, we know that the Packers should be playing in preseason. That this has to be something that Green Bay does going forward. You just can't, it, it, it can't be an option. It has to be something Green Bay does. Green Bay now has now proven twice that they can't handle not playing in preseason. And that, that just has to be said. If Green Bay won today, I think we could all say, all right, this preseason stuff's garbage, whatever, it doesn't matter. And I know what you're going to say, Charlie, the Vikings, Vikings guys, the Vikings offensive guys, they didn't play in preseason. True, but all of them are back. All of them play together for multiple years. Delvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. They all have a working relationship. They might not all be friends, but they all have a working relationship. They all know what to expect out of one another. Aaron Rodgers knows what to expect out of Aaron Jones and Robert Tunyon and Randall Cobb, but he doesn't know anybody else. He doesn't know Sammy Watkins. Alan Lazard should also be in that mix. He doesn't know Romeo Dobbs. He doesn't know Christian Watson, who probably might not have made it onto the field. But like that, that needed to be that needed to be that worked out in preseason. All right, let's continue. Justin Jefferson should have been shadowed by Jair Alexander. Proper reaction. I think everybody saw it. Everybody knew it. I thought Greg Olson did a great job explaining kind of why they couldn't do it the entire game, that it throws you off. But I feel like on third downs, Jair Alexander should have been Justin Jefferson's shadow. On obvious passing downs, they should have made it so that Jair Alexander was on Justin Jefferson. And I think it would have worked. I understand that Joe Barry was trying to play much more of a zone scheme to protect Quay Walker. I think that is exactly what they were doing. I think it was, they were worried that Quay Walker could not handle the pass coverage. As Olsen again, smartly pointed out, like that's the last thing that comes for rookie linebackers. It's not something you're just going to figure out right away. And the Vikings went right at him too. Like the Vikings definitely hunted Walker a few times early on. So I look at that and I'm like, all right, I get the idea of a zone, but at some point he needed to realize that Justin Jefferson was cooking us up and down the fucking field and he needed to put Jair on him. And Jair expressed his frustration after the game and he should have. Like good for Jair, that's important. And hopefully that's a message sent to Joe Barry. And maybe it's a conversation that Alexander has with positional coach Jerry Gray and says, Jerry, look, like I have to be on the best guy. I'm getting paid as one of the top corners in the league. I should be on the best guy on third downs on obvious passing plays. I understand that Daryl Mooney is not even in the stratosphere. He's not even in the metaverse of Justin Jefferson, right? But still, he's a good receiver. He's, and he's killed the Packers. Like, he's had some really good games against the Packers in the past. Have Jair on Darnell Moody. That's that's it, right? 
And then when Mike Evans is going up against Jair, that's a bad matchup, right? Same with Julio Jones. Godwin, though, that's Jair's guy. Let Stokes, let Rasul Douglas, let those guys handle the outside and then move Jair more inside when you're facing against Tampa Bay. But Joe Barry has a lot of work to do when it comes to the zone stuff because it really didn't work. It got absolutely torn to shreds. Again, is that a consequence of not playing against real competition? I don't know. Um, but it, it's something they didn't see in, in training camp. Like that didn't happen. There weren't a ton of busting coverages in training camp. It, beat writers pointed that out and I think it's worth noting, right? I think that preseason, you know, matters a little bit. The Packers are not an NFC North contender and they're going to be lucky to win 10 games. That is an overreaction. We, we've been over this, but it bears repeating. Week one is nuts, right? Like remember the Arizona blowout of Tennessee? Tennessee ended up being the one seed that year. Uh, there's just dumb shit that happens all the time. You don't really know what these teams actually look like until about week three or four. And even now with the extended season, even if the Packers started out one and three, God forbid, I still would make a case that they could make the playoffs and still find their way back into the mix. And I think that we are so quick to react. Like I said, it's an overreact society. And the NFL is not the only one. But we have to take it day by day. We have to take it game by game. Now, I hope that the Packers come out with a little bit of piss and vinegar against the Bears. You're at home. It's another rival. It is your home opener. There is no reason that you don't come out firing. Like the Packers need to be 14-0 early on, like no doubt about it. My guy, first quarter Murph, he loves to put down first quarter bets in those situations. This is the biggest first quarter situation in a long time for the Green Bay Packers. They need to come with it or not. I wouldn't say not come at all, but because I don't want them losing to the Bears. But yeah, the Bears have a little bit of confidence. They just beat the Niners and it was a good win for them. Was it kind of a Mickey Mouse win because of the weather? A little bit. But that Bears defense looked good. Eberflus is a really good coach. I really liked what Eberflus did with the Colts defense. Like I, I definitely enjoyed watching how the Colts played defense in the last couple of years. So I'm not surprised that the Bears had a good effort against a rookie quarterback. Obviously, we're leveling up when we're facing Aaron, Aaron Rodgers next week. But I'm not, I'm not ready to just throw dirt on this Packer season. No one should say the season's over. That's ridiculous. The NFC is wide open. Yes, the Buccaneers look like the best team in the NFC. They win that fucking award for week one. Congratulations. But that means, again, nothing. Not at all. So don't don't get to that point right now. I, at, least, at least give it a month. After a month, we can have that conversation, and maybe we need to. But I highly doubt that we will have that conversation come October. Next overreaction, underreaction, or proper reaction. Devontae Adams would have won, won us this game. That's also an overreaction. Uh, the NFL sports update guy, I forget his name. Is it Ari Meloff or something like that? He's got, eh, I, I'll, I respect his hustle, but let's be honest. The dude's a fucking loser. All right, let's just, let's just call for what it is. Like he, Ari Miroff, excuse me apologize to Ari. He works for Pro Football Focus. He is part of, part of the reason why uh, Pro Football Focus is probably at their engagement rate uh, or engagement bait sort of society now. Like Pro Football Focus has just taken such a step back. It's not as bad. They've kind of toned it down, but it was really, really bad for a while. So here's what Ari said. Devontae Adams had more receiving yards in week one than all of the Packers receivers combined. 141 for Devontae and the Packers receivers had 95. I would also ask Ari, as many people did, did the Raiders win? No, the Raiders did not win. Um, so that, that is, that did, like, this, it's such a pointless tweet. Like, and also, I guess I'd ask Ari, I, did, would Devontae Adams stopped Justin Jefferson? Would Devontae Adams been out there in coverage on Justin Jefferson? Is Devontae Adams suddenly Troy Brown all of a sudden? Like, Justin Jefferson still went fucking off today. Like, Devontae Adams has nothing to do with that. I am so fucking sick and tired of the Devontae Adams discourse. 
It is absolutely fucking garbage. You know why it's garbage? Because Devontae Adams didn't want to fucking be here. Okay? Get that through your head. Everybody. Devontae Adams didn't want us. It sucks. It's a shitty feeling. He wanted to be in Vegas with his best friend Derek Carr. And he wanted to play there too because his dad could watch him play. Because he doesn't go out to Green Bay for God knows what reason. His wife fucking hated it here. Okay? I'm sorry. That sucks to say. I love Devontae. Devontae was an awesome player. He's not one of my fantasy teams. I think I might be on two. I enjoy watching Devontae. I, I appreciate what Devontae Adams is. But at the same time, we have to just calm it down here. We don't need to have this dick measuring contest every week with what Devontae does and then what the Packers do. I have no idea because I wasn't, I was locked in with the Packers. Were they doing this with Tyreek Hill? Probably not. Right? The Chiefs were rolling, so it probably wasn't something Nance and Romo brought up and did side-by-side comparisons. You'll have to let me know. Uh, you can hit me up on, on Instagram, Tab the Keg Sports, or Twitter if they did. But, like, my God, guys. Like, we got to settle down. Like, we, we, we just do. Like, to me, this is the biggest overreaction. Of all the overreactions, this is the one that takes the cake. Packers have some real issues at the safety position. This is a proper reaction. To me, this is the thing that I am most concerned about. I am worried that Darnell Savage isn't that guy. I'm worried that he isn't him. I hate myself for that sentence because I hate that like, he's him, he's her, or she's her, whatever. Fucking so lame. But anyways, it's it's true. Like I am very concerned that Darnell Savage is not a functional football player. Like I, I worry that Darnell Savage you know, really should be playing on a low-level team like the Texans or the Bears and not a NFC contending team like the Green Bay Packers. He's really struggled, man. He got beat on one with Justin Jefferson. The middle was wide open. It seemed like Savage was blaming other guys. Like, you got to be better than that. And I realize that part of this is also Adrian Amos, so I'm not going to leave him out of this discussion. I do trust Amos a little bit more than Savage. But I just need to figure out what Savage's role is with this team. And if he's not his own safety, then Green Bay needs to find somebody who is. And that might not be on your team. And that might be a trade. And if it is, make it happen. Because I'm not ready to, to do this with Savage. And if he's more of a dime corner, I know Kashawn Nixon went down with an injury. If he's more of a corner, put him at the corner position. If he's a rover, he's more a linebacker, he can help out Quay Walker as he's kind of adjusting. We'll see with his shoulder injury if Walker can play. But still, like, if that's his role, great. Find a fucking role for Darnell Savage that works for him. And if there's none, get him the fuck off the starting lineup. And that's that's kind of what I have to say about that. Moving on, I'm fired up now. The Devontae Adams thing, like all of a sudden it's like, okay, I got it going. You know, it's kind of like Dreams and Nightmares um, by Meek Mill, where it's like it starts starts off and it's kind of slow. It's he's, he's rapping and then it's like, oh, no, wait a minute. You know, I thought I was, yeah, that's kind of me right now. We're flo- we're riding, we're rolling. Another proper uh, proper reaction or overreaction. Matt LaFleur doesn't know how to come back or get off the mat. I think this is overreaction. All right, I saw a little bit of this from. Aaron Nagler and Pete Bukowski both do great work. Aaron had something about basically saying that Matt is kind of gutless and call and we said wish the Packers would have showed a little more life. He called it Matt's team, which was a little, little over the top there. But that's here nor there. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we all are a little over the top on Twitter every now and again. I think the Green Bay Packers could have easily won this game. That's that's the thing about it. Like, I get it if they laid down. Like if they lost this game and it was 23 to 7 and Jordan Love got a garbage time touchdown at the end, I could understand Aaron and Pete who agreed with him in a quote tweet. Like I could understand their their opinions there. But I, I can't really get down with it when if Christian Watson catches the football, it's 7-7. If Jake Hansen doesn't get absolutely destroyed by Zadarius Smith, Randall Cobb's probably as a touchdown. It was really close. Like, if you watch that back, there is a very good chance that Randall Cobb is breaking for at least putting the Packers in field goal range. That I mean, that would be at minimum. So that's points right there. If Aaron Rodgers reads the zone read right and runs into the end zone, that's another six points left on the table. 
Green Bay left probably at least 14 points on the table. And if they left 14 points on the table, that means they lose 23 to 21. If Green Bay had lost 23 to 21, what are we saying tonight? We are probably saying, well, they fought hard. It's a divisional opponent. You're on the road. It's a tough place to play. The spread was too. Vegas knows better than we do. Um, All this other shit. Like, I think that's where it would have ended up, honestly. Like, I, I think that's... That would have been the discourse. We would have had overreactions. We would have been mad about the Justin Jefferson thing. Might have been mad about the Devontae Adams thing. But we would have said, okay, like they obviously made adjustments from last year and they were ready to play. So I think that you have to take that into consideration with your Packers sort of thoughts and feelings. They just kind of missed out on a couple of plays. And had they hit those, it's a different story. And this is a different game that we're talking about today. And and I and, and I think going back to the little floor point is like I, I don't think this was like this gutless effort or this was a listless effort from the Green Bay Packers. I understand that there were some like low energy moments, but I don't think it's something to be alarmed by. I think it was just getting into the flow again. The going back to preseason, like this type of stuff, you this was where preseason can help. And I think we're we're coming out on this with preseason is, yes, there are some concerns about preseason, getting hurt, obviously, number one. But the biggest thing that preseason probably helps is the details. And the Packers just weren't very detailed-oriented today. And that was part of the problem. And I think those details will get cleaned up next week. Zach Tom starts the Packers win this football game. Slight overreaction. So I'm not going to say it's like a full overreaction because I do think Zach Tom should have been out there over Jake Hansen. This is yet again a puzzling decision by Adam Stenovich. Adam Stenovich seemingly has this like seniority thing going on. I would really love like a Matt Schneidman or Ryan Wood to ask a question about this because it seems like the last two games, Josh Nyman got put on the bench for reasons unknown against the San Francisco 49ers in that playoff game. And Billy Turner, who had barely played, who was banged up, starts for some reason and gets absolutely taken to school. And today you had Jake Hansen and there was all these stories in training camp about how Jake Hansen, you know, sort of grew into this player and he kind of became this reliable interior lineman for the Packers. And just another example of sort of the lineman factory that the Green Bay Packers had, he got his fucking lunch eating too. So I think Stenovich has to reconsider some of those thoughts and feelings And there's no reason Zach Tom shouldn't be out there. He might be regardless because John Runyon has a concussion. But I don't think that you should have Zach Tom on your bench. And maybe this will be Zach Tom's moment. And then Runyon comes back. And Elton Jenkins, Bakhtiari, who might not be ready until Tampa. That'd be really interesting too, which we can talk about that at another time. But Ryan Wood also reported that Bakhtiari is probably not playing next week either. And I'm like, do you really want him out there against Tampa in that heat against that pass rush? Is that really the first game you want him back? Maybe it's then New England. Like, oh man, it's really weird. I mean, that's a real concern there. Rodgers has to get comfortable with that line. And he has to figure out what he can and can't do. And I think that's a big homework assignment for him and Matt LaFleur. Lastly, Packers need to embrace running the football. Absolutely. Um, This is a proper reaction. Green Bay got a pound the rock. Uh, I know Cheesehead TV had like the run the effing ball t-shirts, which they're okay. They're not my favorite, but they hold true, right? Uh, You had 18 total runs for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Two of those were from Watson and Dobbs, 10 from Dylan, five from AJ Jones, Aaron Jones, Five from Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones only had eight touches. That's incredibly bad. And that seems to happen a lot when the Packers lose football games. Aaron Jones doesn't touch the ball enough. Aaron Jones needs to be a focal point of this offense. I realize that Aaron Rodgers did look his way a couple additional times. He had two more targets uh, from a passing perspective. So he had 10 total looks in this game and converted on eight of them. But you need to be rushing the ball more than five times. He rushed five for 49. Do you realize that? He averaged 9.8 yards a carry. How the fuck did he only get five five carries? 
And I know Matt LaFleur blamed himself, but that's also a little bit on the quarterback too. Because I do think at some point when the Packers are down like this, Aaron Rodgers goes hearable. The one successful drive they had in the third quarter was the Packers running the fucking football. And I understand in the Warren Sharp era, it's like, well, we can't run the football on first down. Look, I understand that you probably don't want to run first down all the time, but sometimes there are good moments for it. When you expect the defense to have their ears pulled back, Zedarius Smith struggles against the run because he over-fucking-commits. And yet, Green Bay only took advantage of it on that one drive. So that drive for the Packers, to go back to the one they scored touchdown, which seven plays, 75 yards, took four minutes. Dylan run for four yards. Aaron Jones off the left tackle, Zedarius Smith's side, 29 yards. Rodgers had a pass to Watkins that was complete for nine. Then another run from Dylan again on the left side, 11 yards. Dobbs then on an end around again to the left side, 11 yards. And then a pass to Dobbs that got them to the two. And then an A.J. Dillon run on second and first. Like, okay, that right there is the proof in the pudding. Then you force a punt pretty much on a three and out. You get a pass to Dillon. Another run to Jones on the left side for five yards for the first down. Rodgers takes a sack on first down, and then it all kind of goes to shit. Now he's able to get Dobbs again for 23 yards, and but again, like they go completely away from it. They don't. They run the ball once on the next drive that goes for seven yards, and then the Vikings are able to get the field goal, and it's kind of curtains from there. Like, I don't know what more Aaron Rodgers needs, right? Like, look at Tampa Bay, all right? And I know, like, Brady Rodgers, we compare him to two. It's a little bit insufferable. I, I, I understand it. I get tired of that discourse, too. But Tom Brady today threw the ball 27 times. 27 times. They rushed the ball 33. Leonard Fournette had 21 carries for 127 yards on a six six yards per carry. What what are we doing? What and Julio Jones obviously looks spry and of course he does. But you have to again, Tom Brady reached out on Instagram. Did Aaron Rodgers reach out to Julio Jones? Did Aaron Rodgers reach out and say, "Hey, Julio, come play with us?" Probably not. I would be curious. I I I have no I don't know if if Pat McAfee would ask this Pat doesn't ask a lot of tough questions. That's not kind of his role. I understand that. I was a little tough on that uh, last year, admittedly. Um, because I, I guess it was a little bit of me projecting because I felt like Pat let him made Aaron Rodgers sound like a crazy person with the COVID stuff. And I think that it wasn't, he, he just needed to be a little more of a reporter, a little bit more of a journalist. And that's not Pat's job. But Pat should have, whatever. I don't need to go down that road. I like Pat McAfee. I'll just leave it at that. But Pat should ask him about it. Like, okay, it's it's worth a question because it seems like Brady's kind of embracing that with having a offensive line that can run the football. And Green Bay Packers could have ran that football today. But the Vikings, I will say, Vikings look good. I, I'll give them a lot of credit. But man, I, I don't know. I, I'm just very curious to see what the Eagles do as the Eagles team who can really run the football. Um, that'll be interesting. They have a lot of options. Like they have Gainwell, they have Miles Sanders, they have Boston Scott. Like they they had some dudes. So well, and Jalen Hurts obviously at the quarterback position. So we'll see what happens there. But let's give out some golden kegs. All right. So the golden kegs. How it started was the star ratings, which was a long blog I would used to do on Monday morning. I used to have like I don't know seven hundred to a thousand words on five on Packers that impressed and everything like that. And then I brought it to the podcast when I kind of wasn't blogging as much. Now I don't blog at all. It's still here. I still love doing the star ratings, except we're going to call them the Golden Kegs. Um, Golden Keg was a trophy awarded to uh, Marquette versus UWM when they would play club football. Um, So Golden Keg, obviously what's happening to Keg is perfect. And so five kegs goes to the things that impressed us the most about this game and one keg goes to something that was very disappointing. Five kegs goes to special teams. 
Dude, special teams was great. Like, no complaints. Nothing to really worry about from the special. Yeah, the running into the kicker, but guy kicked him in the face. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like that was kind of the fault of the punter. He was just kind of standing there and he got whacked in the face. I don't know, man. That was the only real, like, special teams flub. I guess Rager getting those extra yards, but there were guys ready and waiting to tackle. It was a very clean performance from the special teams. I would have liked to see Mason Crosby kick a field goal uh, just because he hasn't done it. Um, so, But that's here and our there. So that will be a consistent worry for me until he actually kicks a field goal. Uh, but yeah, special teams, good start. Um, love to see it, especially when some special teams struggle. Like you had the situation in Cincinnati. Now, granted, there was a long snapper issue, went down with an injury, but that fucked up their whole operation and they weren't able to really come back from that. Uh, you had Randy Bullock miss a game-winning kick for the uh, Tennessee Titans. Uh, so, yeah, there were there were special teams blunders kind of not as bad as college football. College football has had a ton um, recently, but it was it was bad. Not was it bad, but it was just there were moments that weren't good for some teams. Four kegs goes to A.J. Dillon. He had 91 total yards. Uh, he had five catches, 456. He also had 10 carries for 45 yards. He also had the only touchdown for the Green Bay Packers, um, good shit from Dylan. I thought he played pretty well in this one. Uh, definitely had a little bit more of the hot piss than I think everybody else did. Um, he he played with quite 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 a good amount of passion, and I think that that can't be discounted as well. Um, he looked ready to go and definitely worthy of that four keg award. I would say the only thing that I would knock him on and why he didn't get five kegs is because he missed that block that got Aaron Rodgers crunched. Looked like Rodgers might have taken a concussion. He was able to get back up, uh, which I was very thankful for. But yeah, that was a broken play that shouldn't have happened. And that was, that's the one thing I would knock Dylan for and why I'm only at four kicks. And also too, like it's a nice performance, 91 total yards, but it's not like this dominant performance by any shape of the imagination. Three kegs goes to Quay Walker. Uh, I thought Quay had some nice moments. I thought he provided quite the pop. Like some of the some of those hits that he came up on were really special, and I haven't really seen that from a linebacker for the Green Bay Packers in a long, long fucking time. But the coverage stuff was a real issue. Uh, Minnesota picked on him that first drive. It seemed like that was their plan from the get go. Was all right. We're going to attack that rookie linebacker, and it's like the Packers either didn't prepare for it. Or they just were like, okay, we're, we're going to play in the zone and figure it out. Again, that goes back to the savage concerns that we had mentioned earlier in the podcast. But yeah, I, I think Walker did a fine job for game one. Um, and that's where three kegs, like he it was average, right? I, I, I think there were things to work on, obviously, what we just talked about. And I think there were good things in the way, you know, that he brought a punch. I think his role, if he's healthy, will be very important with Justin Fields next week. On you with the ability to run, I, I would imagine that you're going to see a lot more of Fields using his legs um, against the Green Bay Packers. Two kegs goes to Christian Watson's drop. We didn't talk about, well, I guess we did a little bit of the Devontae Adams commentary and the, the missing points. Man, brutal moment in the game. Uh, it was one where you just knew it and you're like, all right, we're going to get weird. Because like it was a perfect ball. Watson had Patrick Patterson and Harrison Smith deep. They didn't see it coming, and it goes right through his hands. And who knows? If Watson comes down with that and runs it for a touchdown, this game could be entirely different. We have no idea what this game might look like. And so I give it two kegs because it's it's probably actually more like a one keg. Honestly, we're being honest. It's a one keg. All right. This is one keg. Uh, screwing it up already. That's okay. Um, if I had to give two kegs, I'd honestly give it to Rodgers. I think just he needs to get more comfortable with his young guys. All right? Like, Rodgers talks a big game about how, like, he's like, we have no time to, like, ease into it. Like, we have to be ready to go right away. And it's kind of like, motherfucker, you do too. Like, you can't just ignore these guys. Like, they're out on the field playing with you. You have to be just as ready to play with these dudes and it's not it's not a one side street here it's both sides need to be ready to roll so hopefully we see more of that from Aaron Rodgers in the near future uh, really starting next week um, so hopefully he embraces that maybe with Lazard coming back hopefully that would help everything other one keg 
Joe Barry's Justin Jefferson game plan. I mean, that was pathetic. We talked about it earlier. I, I won't waste any more time. But yeah, that was that was, that was bad. Um, so uh, going forward, if you see some things that you like, that you're like, who should get a golden keg? XYZ player, hit me up. Let me know. Uh, tabbing the keg on Twitter. Tabbing the keg sports on Instagram. All right, let's talk about the Badgers and Brewers, and then let's ride out of here. So Wisconsin Badgers had an even more disappointing loss than the Green Bay Packers. Sometimes I feel like if the Badgers lose on Saturday, it immediately sends bad vibes for the Packers. I cannot confirm or deny that that's true, true or not. Like, I don't think it happens every time. But yeah, it seems like a lot when the Badgers lose, the Packers somehow also lose. And it just means your Monday is going to fucking suck. I don't know if it's going to stop raining here. I might just be in Seattle now. Uh, it's been raining all day, so that's not going to help for a Monday. I do think it's going to stop at some point, thankfully. And hopefully everybody's house stays safe. Best wishes on that, obviously. But yes, uh, it was not a good day for Wisconsin. And I'm going to do a bigger topic on Wisconsin tomorrow, uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but yeah, that was a bad, bad loss to a Washington State team that, while they're exciting, they brought a lot of people from the transfer portal they needed time to develop. Like they, they nearly lost to an Idaho team that won four games in the FCS last year. Like, I mean, they did push Indiana. I'll give, I'll give credit there. Like they didn't win, but they pushed Indiana. They were leading Indiana at halftime. So maybe this Idaho team is improved, and maybe we should have taken Idaho a little more seriously and taken Washington State more seriously. The Badgers just were not ready to play, and that. Is kind of mind-numbing considering you're playing a Power 5 opponent, considering it's on national TV, it's following Alabama and Texas. Like, there's no reason that you can't get up for this game. 2.30, it's not an 11 a.m. start. You're not in Washington State. You're not in Pullman. You're not in the, the Palouse. It's not like Pac-12 after dark or anything. You're playing fucking in your stadium, 2.30, raucous crowd, everybody's back at school. There's no, oh, I'm at the lake for Labor Day. There was no fucking excuse for this for Wisconsin, and it was just pathetic. Uh, but yeah, best and worst. So we did this last week. Uh, if you didn't catch last week's podcast, I don't blame you because it wasn't on any podcast platforms except for Spotify. Uh, but basically, we'll talk about things that were really good, things that were not so good. Um, I only really have one best, and it was Graham Mertz was great. Like, I thought Graham Mertz was really good. Evan Flood had the stat that they're 0-7 when the pack, when the Badgers pass more than, I think, 25 times with Mertz. But in this case, I think Mertz should have passed more. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but, like, Graham Mertz was good. Like, I thought Graham Mertz had some really nice moments in this game. And I just wonder, will there be more going forward? Like, you have to unhitch the trailer. And we can just go into the worst of the play calling. It was really dull. It was a lot of first down runs. How many times were Washington having eight to nine guys in the box? Like if they run play action with Braylon Allen and have Chimmery DK streaking down the field or Skylar Bell or any of their other receivers or even Clay Cundiff, who's kind of become a guy for Mertz at both touchdowns, like having him just run a seam, like how, how is that play not called? How is that not chosen? It feels like Bobby Ingram is a shadow offensive coordinator. It feels like Paul Chris is still calling the plays. And maybe the relationship as it stands today is more Paul and less Bobby because Bobby's just getting his feet underneath him. But if that's the case, that needs to be known because it looks like the same old Badger offense. And that is frustrating. You had 75 fucking plays and only 14 points. Can't happen. Now, granted, some of that was the special teams. Another worse. You missed two field goals. Now, people are like, well, that's the difference in the game. Well, I mean, the turnover is the, the Jay Shaw weirdness where he fumbles the interception. Like, there were other moments there where it was like, yeah, they, they, definitely, they definitely could have, you know, won this game in other fashion and weird other weird stuff happened. But the special teams needs to be better. That was such a pathetic field goal to tie the game. And again, another bad Paul Chris decision. Fourth and one, you have Braylon Allen. Go for it. What What's going to hurt? And on top of that, again, as mentioned, like Graham Mertz playing good. 
Like, trust your guys. I think one of the more frustrating things about Paul Christ is he does not have any trust in his players. He just is like, all right, buy the book. All right, it's fourth, fourth and one, I got to get a field goal. Fourth down, I got to get a field goal. Let your guys try to win it for you, man. Like, don't just settle for a field goal. Go for it. It's really frustrating to watch. Um, other, I think I had another worse than that. I had the sloppy, I mentioned it, but like the sloppiness of it all. Like 10 penalties for 101 yards. The offensive line, anytime Braylon Allen seemed to break a big run, there was a flag on an offensive lineman for holding. So is that just it was tightly called? Or was it just that these offensive linemen can't block? And yet again, the Wisconsin offensive line, I don't know if they're good. And we talked about how bad they were last year and thought, ah, maybe they'll be a little bit better this year. I don't know, man. I really don't. And this will dovetail into a larger discussion tomorrow that should lead the show, unless we have some overreaction from a Stephen A. or a Greeny that's so egregious that we have to cover it like right away. We can't can't let it slip. But that it's kind of part of the, the two two parts of the show and a brewer topic tomorrow. So stay like tomorrow's gonna be good. Like I already have tomorrow planned. Like I'm excited. Could eat shit. I could do it right now, but I won't because it's late at night. Uh, but yeah, I I'll have much more on the Badgers tomorrow. I'm definitely gonna come with it. I think I'm noticing a trend that it's not, and it's not just Wisconsin. It, it, weirdly enough, and so. I'll leave it with that. Uh, maybe it, uh, Brian Rosillo, one of my favorites, was talking about how Shepard Smith actually does better teases than Greeny. I don't know if I could do a Shepard Smith tease for this. What Iowa, Stanford, Wisconsin all have in common. They can't play in today's generation of football. That's tomorrow. Now that was a fucking tease right there. I love that. All right. Lastly, let's wrap up the show. It's late, um, and it's a long. We're we're in long podcasts. We don't usually go this long on a daily tap. Definitely getting shit from Mitch about this. Uh, <laughs> Moy Brewers, hey, two out of three for the Brewers this weekend against the the Cincinnati Reds. Took care of business. Honestly, had the Brewers not puked on their shoes in the first inning with Jason Alexander, they they might have actually won that game on Friday. Like Alexander gives up five runs early, and then Brent Suter gives up a home run in the ninth, and it kind of ends the Brewers having a chance at coming back. But like they almost were, they almost pulled that off. Like, I wouldn't say that. I shouldn't say it like that. But like, if it's not for that first inning, like Brewers are, were right in that game, and who knows what happens with the Reds bullpen, which is definitely suspect at best. But then they go out, they get a couple early on the board against Chase Anderson. I can't believe they only got two runs on Chase Anderson, but then they added a little bit later. And then today, like, Telez, Willie Adamas, Christian Yelich were all good. They were 6-for-6 six six at one point at the top of this order and looked like they were gonna the Brewers were going to be on easy street, but nothing's ever fucking easy for this team. And they started to creep back in this game in the ninth inning, the Reds, that is, and they had put, four, they had put two runs on the board with a home run. Or no, I'm sorry, that was in the inning prior. But yeah, the Reds, the Reds kept gnawing back, and the Brewers were very close to a meltdown. As the Packers were, I think at that point they were losing. I think it was ten to nothing. I had to turn on the Brewer game because Devin Williams had two guys on with no outs in the ninth, and it was a seven-four baseball game after the Brewers had had a seven-two lead. And and they no one could close the door. Then there was an error, runner on second and third, no out. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, we're gonna lose this game, or at least be tied and, and have to do extras somehow, some way. And it tur- and then Garrett Mitchell makes a fantastic fucking catch. It does bring a run home, but it gave the Brewers the second out. Williams then shuts the door, and the Brewers win that baseball game. What a fucking moment for them. Really important win before they go to St. Louis, who's looked a little vulnerable uh, the last few games. So that's kind of good. It seems, I wouldn't say the Cardinals have come back down to earth, and we're going to talk first Cardinals tomorrow, but at least seems like it's not this juggernaut that we saw for the last really two two months-ish. So, so, and it was just lucky who gave up the homer. Brandon Woodruff again shoved. Uh, back-to-back games now with double-digit strikeouts. He's looking really like the ace. I know Corbin Burns was super good on 
Thursday, and you'll get Corbin Burns on Wednesday against the Cardinals, which should be really fun. Um, definitely excited to watch Burnsy take on the Cardinals. So he pitched so well the last time in that stadium against Adam Wainwright. I don't know if we're going back to back with that, but yeah, it's really good, really good for the crew, and they're one and a half back now of the San Diego Padres. Padres lost two out of three again to the Dodgers, which is huge. I know they have a tiebreaker. My guys from Divine reminded me of that. But still, this is the closest the Brewers have been in a couple of weeks. They are lurking. Actually, now two unofficially, two games back. I thought it was two and a half. Maybe it's because of the tiebreaker. I don't know. I don't understand why they didn't get the extra game there. Um, Maybe that's a computer error, but I feel like they should be one one and a half back, but maybe it's because the Philly, who knows, whatever it may be, the Brewers are lurking. Um, and that feels good. I don't, again, I think the division is well beyond a reach. Uh, I, if the Cardinals, I will say this, I almost had a tweet and then they came back. I think they ended up winning in the ninth or something like that yeah, on on Saturday. I was like, if the, like the, the Brewers, you know, you know, if the Cardinals lose these games, like the Brewers could be like six back heading, facing St. Louis. I, if they were if they were to sweep the two game series, they're six back with the Cardinals having a very tough finish to their road trip. It would it would definitely be like crazy for it to happen, but you'd at least give yourself a fighting chance. You lose one of those games, which is very possible on Tuesday with being a bullpen game, you're you're likely pretty fucked, and then that it's pretty much over. It's kind of do or die for the Brewers when it comes to division. I've already considered the division dead, but you never know. You you, ne- you absolutely never know a baseball. It's why I told Mitch last week, like I couldn't couldn't throw my chips down. I couldn't do this. So, um, and it's this right here. So we'll see what happens. Um, we'll have much more on that. Maybe try to tape some Brewer stuff early since the Packers are playing late um, next week next weekend. But yeah, if you guys enjoyed this, like I said, tomorrow's gonna be a fun show as well. So hope you guys are tuned in there. I don't know if we'll have Shannon this week. I'm still working on that. Again, uh, just a lot going on with the move, unfortunately, um, and, and not having enough time for everything else and creating content and all this other shit. So I feel like a bad, bad friend, I'll be honest. I told that that on Friday a little bit, but I'll also say it here. Mitch and I, you, I, well, I can say this, so we'll... We'll stay tuned on the Shannon front. Maybe next week's probably a little more realistic, but who knows? If Shannon's ready to go, I'd be happy to do one with him on on Tuesday. Um, But we will have Mitch every Wednesday night. Um, So Mitch and I will have your tabbing the kegs on Thursday, get you started for the the week. And yeah, it's kind of going to be our rotation. So Mitch and I will talk about how we want to approach this show. Um, We've done evergreen shows for a while. But maybe it's something that we want to do a little bit differently, such as like storylines, things like that. I'll have to see how it lines up with my podcast. And obviously, if Shannon and I start start rolling on Tuesdays or Thursdays for that matter. So, all right, guys. Take care of yourself. Long daily tap. I don't know. I, I Maybe we'll say that all of them will be this way. But who knows? Um, so, thank you guys for uh, tuning in for this long. Hopefully, we'll be back on Apple very soon. Again, if we're not by next week, we will we'll find another avenue. We'll figure it out. So I want to make sure that we're everywhere for you guys. I don't want you to have to go to another app. So hopefully uh, we will be all good by next week. All right, see you guys. Have a good one. Bye.